Hello. Feels like I'm talking to family, which is cool. So I can like whisper and you can still hear me. Um, <coughs> yeah, this is my first Saturday night too. I was always coming on the Sunday morning, so this is kind of cool. I get to kind of bookend the summer and finish off. Um, and so we've been we've been working through the uh, different characters in the Bible and. Um, tonight we're going to talk about Caleb and Joshua, but with that we're also going to be talking um, about the Israelites and the uh, situation around that too. So it's going to be, you know, Caleb and Joshua, but we're going to dive deeper into the people around them as well. Um, so we're going to be covering a, a several different people tonight. And the story is found in Numbers 13 and 14, and so I encourage you to pull out your Bible. It's, it's two chapters. We're not going to read all of it, because I'd be here a long time if we did that. Um, but definitely follow along because we're going to cover most of those two chapters as we kind of talk through things uh, tonight. And as I read through Numbers 13 and 14, it's clear that there are four separate groups of people involved in this story. And each of these four groups of people provide us with aspects that we can learn from and be challenged with in our own life. These four sets of people are followed by a response from God in an incredible moment where Moses intercedes on behalf of the Israelites. Starting in chapter uh, 13, and I'm going to kind of flow through this chronologically. In 13 verse 1, we see that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From the very beginning, it is clear that God was leading the Israelites through Moses in a certain direction. That direction is Canaan, which is the promised land that was promised to the Israelites from the time they left Egypt. As we start to get the picture of the story, I wanted to make it clear that God was at the very start of the story. God was leading the Israelites. We also know, and the Israelites knew, that God had promised them the land, and not just any land, land that was flowing with milk and honey, good land, very pure and good land. We see in Exodus 3 verse 8 that God had promised this land to Moses during the burning bush. And then Moses later takes this and tells the Israelites in, um, in Exodus 13, verse 5, about the promised land. So the Israelites are aware of the promised land. They know that it's going to be good and pure land, and they know that God is directing them to that land. It's not just something that they're, you know, having to go in and explore and see if it's good. They already knew, and God had already promised to the Israelites and to Moses that it was going to be good land. Moses went on to tell the uh, Israelites, as we see in 13 verse 5, and I'm going to read that. And when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites, the the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, this promise was said right after the exodus from Egypt. The promises for the Israelites was clear. God had gotten them this far and was ready to move them into a new land, move them into new opportunities. It's interesting to note as we continue that in Deuteronomy 1, uh, verses 20 to 25, the plan to spy was actually suggested by the people. God was ready to move into the promised land from the beginning, yet the people wanted to take matters into their own hands and and send spies first, instead of fully trusting God from the beginning. Upon hearing this, that is when God told Moses how to to, uh, send the spies. The fact that the people suggested this creates the opening for what seems to be the beginning of a lack of faith 
by the Israelites or by the people. If they had truly uh, trusted in God's promise, were the spies even necessary? God used the report of the land that we will look at later as a test of Israel's faith. God's promise was that the Israelites would have the land. It was the people that wanted and thought they needed the spies. They thought they needed to check out the land and make sure that it was good, but even God had already promised them the land. God had already told them that it was good and pure, and all they had to do was trust God and take that first step. God simply provided Moses with the method of how to do so upon their request. In other words, if the people did not request spies, the Israelites might have been able to go into the land and take over it, just as God had promised. Instead, even the request for spies was, was the beginning of a lack of faith. God used it, and the promised land was still taken, but it took 40 years to do so, and all but Caleb and Joshua, plus the children of Israel, were able to possess it, as we're about to find out. As we continue, we will see uh, these four distinct groups of people. First, there are the spies, and in this case, ten of the twelve. Next, we have the Israelites themselves, the rest of the congregation. Third, we have the response by Moses and Aaron. And fourth, we have Caleb and Joshua themselves, the only two spies, as we will see, that remain faithful to God. And finally, we're going to conclude with, with Moses, and we'll see him as an intercessor on behalf of the Israelites to God. And we're going to see God's response to all of this. This entire story stems back to this statement. God is moving. Are you ready to join in where God is moving, no matter what, no matter the no matter the challenge. So as we dive in, let's talk about the spies themselves. And these are the ten spies not named Caleb or Joshua. In Numbers 13, verse 3, we see that Moses listened to God's instructions and sent the men out according to the command of the Lord. He did what God instructed him to do. God chose to allow the spies to go first. There were twelve men sent out, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And it's important to note this because the entirety of Israel was divided into twelve tribes, which means every single tribe was represented. The entirety of Israel was represented. Not one tribe was left out. The men that were sent out were known as leaders. Number 13, verse 3, continues and says, all of them, men who were heads of the people of Israel. And you can go on and, and you can read in verses 4 to 16 the names of all these people. I'm not going to go into that. As we move forward in the story, the task ahead of the twelve spies was clear. We see in verses 17 to 20, the task that they were given. The spies left the wilderness of Paran and entered the Negev and traveled through the central mountain range of western Palestine. The entire process that we see in this section illustrated subtle unbelief by the Israelites. Moses spoke and suggested they find out if the land was good, yet, as we said, we would, they would have already known that due to the promise made to him during the burning bush in Exodus 3.8. The entire process of these four verses represents the human curiosity and a lack of faith instead of jumping right in to faith in God's promises, which were clear. If they had, without a doubt, trusted in God's promises, was it really necessary to send spies and ask the question of whether it is good land? This curiosity and subtle lack of faith created the opportunity for sin to root itself in the hearts of the Israelites. Instead of taking the land right away, they were in the position to do so, just south of the land in prime position for an attack. They took matters into their own hands, requested spies, took time to do so, and did not truly trust in God's promises. As I think about this, it made me convicted about the times in my life that instead of fully trusting God from the beginning, I began to take matters into my own hands. For my own comfort, for my own peace of mind. If God is moving, are we ready to move with Him no matter what? 
Or do we create our own roadblocks and measures due to our pride and desire to be in control? The Israelites wanted to control and keep in mind of knowing what the land was like prior to attacking. I think we do a lot of this in our own lives. We want control, even control from God, instead of trusting Him with all of who we are. Our curious mind leads us to taking matters into our own hands. Our pride takes us into, tries to take us into pride, to take matters into our own hands. The incredible aspect of the story, however, is the fact that God used this for His glory and allowed His promise to still happen. God gave Moses directions of how to send the spies out, and God was with the spies as they journeyed through the land. As we continue, we see a line here at the end of verse 20. It says that the time was the season of the first grapes. As I was reading through the scripture, this, this line really stood out to me. The time was now. The harvest was now. God was ready to move. God's promises were right there. All the Israelites had to do was trust God. Instead, well, we're about to find out. This line made me think of our own lives, our own church. Where is God moving today? As I think about this question, it's both exciting and convicting. It's exciting because each of us have the opportunity to be a part of God moving. Through faith, we can take part in the incredible actions of God. At the same time, how often do we act like the Israelites and take matters into our own hands? Or even worse, as we are about to find out, openly rebel or push back against God and against the promises of God and against the direction of God, simply because we are scared or think that the challenges are too hard or think that we need control. Are you ready to live by faith and move forward with God no matter where He is moving or what, the cha- or what challenges lie ahead? The twelve spies had to simply return with a report from Moses and Israel. The spies journeyed and saw that the land was incredibly rich. They verified the promise that God had made. They brought back grapes and other goods. It was clear that the land was blessed and that God was leading them to it. The spies journeyed for 40 days. We see all this in verses 21 to 24 of Numbers 13. Numbers 13, 26 to 29, as the spies get back, tell the, spy, uh, tell the report of the land. And I want to take a minute and, and read the beginning part of this portion. Starting in verse 26 of Numbers 13, And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. The spies were excited about how great the land is, showing Moses and Aaron the fruit. They even say in verse 27 that it flows with milk and honey, which is the exact promise that God gave them and gave Moses in the burning bush. In fact, they even report the same groups of people that they knew would be there based on what Moses told them during the Exodus. In other words, it was clear that this was in fact a promise from God, but it was not, it was not some made-up thing, or it was not this it-could-be thing. The spies knew it was good land, and knew that God had promised them that land. All of this, in theory, should have been enough for them to feel confident moving forward. Yet sinful nature begins to take over, and, and the spies were extremely hesitant and started pointing out all the dangers of the land. In verse 28, begins with the word, however, or nevertheless, depending on the translation. If the land was so good and they trusted in God's promise, then that however, or that nevertheless, should, didn't need to be there. should never have been there. Instead, the spies decide to take a bad report to the Israelites. This is seen from verses 28 to 30 and later on in 31 to 33. They begin to list off excuses. 
They start listing off the dangers of the land, the size of the people, the fortified cities. They sway the Israelites to begin fearing the future despite that the land was good, despite that God's promises were leading them there. They doubt and question God. The spies exaggerate to the Israelites, saying that they were like grasshoppers, that the land devours the inhabitants. Prior to bringing the bad report, we see in verse 30 that Caleb jumps in and quiets the people, saying, Let us go up and occupy it, for we are all, for, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb is the only one to say anything during the initial report. But the other men begin to continue on with a negative report. This represents a dramatic unfaithfulness to God, despite the fact that the land was good and pure, and very ob- obviously God's promise for the Israelites. It also represents undeniable faithfulness by Caleb, something that we are going to take a look, uh, look at later when we talk about Caleb and Joshua a little bit more. The test that God had created, the Israelites were beginning, the Israelites were beginning to fail God's test. From the beginning, the Israelites could have taken the land without the spies even being necessary, yet they wanted them and God allowed it to happen, even giving direction in the format to do so. Their fear began to overtake them and they gave a bad report to the Israelites. They, they did not think that they could take the land. They were terrified of the land. They were terrified of the people of the land. And they did not trust God and chose to push back against the clear promise that God had given them. The report was given from a human perspective and if you notice, the spies blamed Moses, Aaron, and the Israelites for sending them. They say, it is the land you sent us. They blame the people of Israel. They never once in this moment referred to God sending them. The only people to stand up and speak truth and trust God was Caleb, and we learn later, Joshua. The idea is, this idea is a convicting one, once again. When things are scarier, when obstacles present themselves, how often do we start blaming people? Maybe we are beginning to embark on a new direction in life, but then something gets in the way, and we become fearful and blame the person who gave us the idea. Two people can see the same thing. They see the same grapes, the same men, the same land, the same cities. One provides a report of certain doom and destruction, not trusting in God. The other sings faith and trusts in God fully. Faith or unbelief does not spring from circumstances or what is seen, but instead from the heart. Caleb and later we learn Joshua's hearts were ready to jump in and go with God in faith and action. Ten other people who saw the exact same thing were not ready and failed the test. Their hearts were not with God, and they used this hardened heart and fear to then sway the rest of the Israelites. This brings us to the Israelites' reaction to these events. This is the second group of people that we will be talking about today. Right after the bad report is given, the Israelites begin to weep. In uh, chapter 14, verse 1, they are broken because they believe the ten spies, and they think that the land is not worth taking due to the risk. The Israelites begin to mourn. They are caught in a dilemma between faith in God and his very clear promises on the one side, and on the other side, unbelief led by fear linked to the report from the spies. They choose unbelief. This mourning in many ways suggests that the Israelites were expecting things to be easy. They wanted to move into the promised land easily. God does not always send us into action and make it all easy. Part of faith is trusting in God despite the fact that it might be hard, despite the fact that you might have to make sacrifices, despite the fact that you might have to take risks, or it's dangerous, or it's challenging, whatever it might be. We often expect things, we often expect things to simply fall into place perfectly and easily. Yes, sometimes that does happen, and that's amazing, but oftentimes we are faced with challenges. The Israelites, when faced with a challenge, jump right to anger. They jump right to grumbling. They jump right to weeping, instead of trusting in God and having faith. 
They also mourn because they cling to the feelings of wanting to take the land, the feelings of wanting something good, wanting God's promises, but at the same time being fearful of doing so and being stuck in this inaction. Finally, the mourning stems from loss. The Israelites felt that they had lost an opportunity. When the opportunity was in fact right in front of them all along, and all they had to do was move forward with God in faith. All of this mourning stems from the sinful nature of allowing fear and feelings to overshadow our faith in God. I think, again, this sounds familiar in our own lives. As soon as things go wrong, we instantly, uh, we instantly begin to challenge God and blame Him or blame the people around us instead of having faith and working through the challenges, trusting in God from the beginning. Or we allow the fear of the unknown, the fear of the risks, to take over actually moving where God wants us to move. For the Israelites, it was clear where God wanted them to move. Moses had said that earlier, and God had made it very clear, yet they refused to trust God and use their human intuition to cloud their judgment and to cloud their choices. Sending out the spies in the first place was the start of that, and it, and it, and it erupts even more when the spies return with a bad report. How many times are we like the Israelites? God is moving somewhere, and we first create our own options to make sure it is the right decision. We then grumble, complain, fear, and fight when obstacles present themselves. Instead of choosing to rebel against the promises and actions of God, let's jump forward with an attitude of complete faith no matter what. This faith is what Caleb and Joshua show us in their response. The Israelites followed morning up with open rebellion against God and Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua. This rebellion started with murmuring or complaining towards first Moses and Aaron and then God himself. Verse 3 of chapter 14, the Israelites say, Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? They question God and say that it would be better uh, to die in Egypt or in the wilderness than to go into the land promised to them by God himself. The Israelites take their rebellion and complaining as far as to demand a new leader. They turn against Moses. They turn against Aaron. And they would rather go back to Egypt. Verse 3 and 4 of chapter 14 says, The Israelites said, Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? This would have in no way been better and was simply the Israelites wanting to revert back to their old life instead of continuing in faith with God. They even go so far as to threaten to stone or kill their leaders, those that were faithful to God. The Israelites went from just over a year before this, leaving Egypt in the Exodus, seeing the miracles of God, seeing the power of God, and stood at the threshold of the Promised Land. They had encountered God's power and provision numerous times prior to this. In fact, the first ten chapters of Numbers represents the Israelites being prepared to go into the Promised Land. The first ten chapters, God through Moses and Aaron is preparing the Israelites. The Israelites had been ordered and organized. The book of Numbers literally represents the census. The Israelites had been cleansed and purified, set apart and blessed. They had been taught how to give to God, how to function as priests, had been, rem- uh, had been made to remember God's provision, and they celebrated this through Passover. They remembered God's provision, his, his fair judgment, and his deliverance. They even had been given God's presence as a guide and tools needed to lead people. In the first ten chapters of Numbers, God led Israel through a process intended to change them from a slave-minded people to a promised land people. Here they completely revert back to their slave mentality. Referring, uh, referring to slavery under cruel, murdering masters, they'd rather have slavery than walk in faith with God. Israel rejects the walk of faith. If God is going to lead them into a deeper trust, 
than, than they had before. They wanted no part of it. If you made it easy, that was fine with them. But they did not want a walk of faith that was going to be challenging. They would rather be ruled by evil masters than walk with God. The Israelites stand here ready to take the land and all they have to do is have, have faith. God had gotten them this far. God had prepared them. God was about to move them into His promised land. How is this different from us today? God has gotten you this far, yet why do you doubt? Why do you rebel? Why do we argue where God is moving? God has prepared you to move with Him. God wants you to move with Him. In fact, similar to the Israelites, He even has given us the Holy Spirit that is truly God and is here to help us. His presence is right here with us today, yet we stand here at the forefront of great opportunities and choose to rebel against God. Maybe we are questioning God and choosing in action, hoping that it will just happen with or without you. Maybe we are fearful of where God is moving, and so we avoid thinking about it. We avoid asking God about it. We avoid taking that first step because it would mean big changes. It would mean risks. It would mean giving up something. Maybe the direction is clear as it was for the Israelites, yet giants stand in your way. Challenges stand in your way, and you decide that that direction isn't for you. Maybe the people all around you are caving into sin, caving into fear, and you know in your heart what is the right decision. Uh, you know to trust God, yet you go with the crowd because that is the majority and that is the safer choice. We would rather be controlled by the world around us than have a relationship with God that might mean giving up a few things or moving forward and taking risks because of faith. We revert back to things that control us. We allow sin, temptation, pressures of the world, controlling people, whatever it might be, to take hold of us instead of walking in faith with God. We desire to be in control we desire the easy walk with God. This story is linked several times in the New Testament, and Paul mentions this rebellion in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, writing to the church and reminding them of the dangers of falling into similar traps that the Israelites did. And in Hebrews 3, a similar message is given as a reminder. It's easy uh, today to think that the Israelites were terrible um, for not trusting in God's promises. We see that God uh, has given the Israelites all of these promises. He has gotten them this far in dramatic fashion and has prepared them for this, yet they refuse and allow their fear to sin to, uh, and allow their fear to sin, fear and sin to creep in. We think to ourselves, wow, the Israelites were terrible. But then again, we pause and think about our own lives. What happens when we do not know the outcome of our choices or actions? What happens when God is telling you to do something and that thing is intimidating, scary, means a risk? We make excuses, we refuse, we blame other people, we follow the crowd, we do not do that thing. Then when something bad happens, we jump right to blame. We blame the people around us for not moving, not making changes. We even blame God and challenge Him, questioning where He has been. I've been there, and I'm willing to bet that you've been, that you've been there too. And maybe are there right now. God is moving with or without you. He is calling you and wants you to join Him where He moves. You are the one that has the choice to join God where He moves in faith. Yes, that, that might be hard. But God will be with you just as, he was, just, as, just as He has been with you your entire life. And how He was with the Israelites. Whatever it is, big or small, God is right there, right here, right now, asking you to move with Him. He is asking us to move with Him. Are you ready, are you ready no matter what, to jump into faith? Are you ready to take that first step? Are you ready to dive 
frustrating. The sad reality for the Israelites was that this is not the first time that this has happened, where they blame God and would rather die or would rather go back to Egypt. This had happened a few times prior, where when they're faced uh, without food, and God provides manna, and then again with water, and God provides water out of a rock. God got them through that as he would have brought them safely into the promised land. They even built a golden calf because they feared that God had left them and they needed something to worship. And later on, they demand a human king to lead them and they choose Saul, which as we know does not turn out very well. I can go on about the Israelites, but I think we are often in very similar situations. We desire control. We fear where God is moving. We think God is not taking care of us because things are difficult in the moment. Hard times come and we bail on God. We blame God. We fight God. We question God. When, when all is good, things are great. But as soon as challenges come, as soon as God calls us into something that we do not feel comfortable with, we make excuses and we fight against it just as the Israelites did. We rebel against God in similar ways to that of the Israelites. God is moving. God wants you to move with Him in faith. No matter how hard it is, are you ready? As we continue on in this story, we see in Numbers 14, verse 5, and 9, the, uh, 5 to 9, the response to this rebellion by Moses and Aaron. And then later Joshua and Caleb. Moses and Aaron is a lesson on a flawed leadership choice, but also a heart after God. After news of this report and, and kind of seeing where the Israelites are taking things, Moses and Aaron fall on their faces before all of Israel and pray to God. They realize how bad the situation is and know that their only choice, their only action was to call out to God. Moses and Aaron did not say anything to the people. They simply went right to God. On behalf of Israel, they begged God for forgiveness and grace. Very quickly, this action by Moses and Aaron is simple, yet pure. Moses and Aaron went to God directly. When faced with the challenge, Moses and Aaron, in faith, cried out to God. At the same time, I was reflecting on Moses and Aaron and I was kind of thinking thinking about their leadership. Because in some aspects, I think they handled things well, like in those moments of crying out to God. But at the same time, they were the leaders of Israel, and yet they allowed the Israelites, they, let, they allowed the spies, the people, to have full control over the situation. They chose indecision instead of quieting the crowd themselves and reminding them of all that God has done for them. We do not know why the Israelites had such a voice in this situation, yet Moses and Aaron did very little to stop them. Moses and Aaron had faith in God, yet also allowed people to take over their direction. Moses could have simply followed God into the promised land and led the Israelites there. The Israelites were the ones who wanted the spies to be sent out in the first place. And Moses and Aaron obliged, and God led them through that. As leaders, when we know God has a direction... We are called to do whatever we can to move with God and to support and come alongside people to bring them with us. Moses and Aaron allowed the sin and fear of the people around them to take over. And in doing so, God's wrath was revealed. Sadly. God is moving. Are you willing to jump in with God's movement? Or will you choose indecision and let things be decided for you? I'm not trying to bash on Moses and Aaron. In fact, I think in some ways I might have done the same thing. You know, all these crowds are, are starting to, you know, turn against them and they, all they do is they cry out to God, which is important. But I think this is also what's convicting. If we have a true relationship with God, if we have faith, then nothing, not even the people around us, 
should sway the wind. Finally, let's jump into the response by Caleb and Joshua. This is a response of true faith. They knew where God was leading. They knew that God's promise was to take the Israelites into the land, and they were willing to go with God no matter what. They were willing to take the land with God leading them. Even when the congregation of Israel fought against them and even threatened them, they remained true to God and stood strong. Caleb and Joshua show us this uh, tonight what it looks like to choose to move where God is moving, no matter what, no matter the risk. Going back to chapter 13, verse 30, Caleb is the only one in that moment to stand up and quiet the people, give a good report, and tell everyone to take the land because God is with them. He chooses faith because he knows and understands the promise of God was for them to take the land. It took incredible courage to stand up in this way. Are you willing to be like Caleb? When everyone around you is telling you not to do something, when everyone is criticizing you, when everyone is yelling at God, or saying that they should do something other than follow God, are you willing to stand up in faith? It's a lot harder said than done. That's the challenge for us today. Move forward with God no matter the cost. God is moving. Are you willing to join Him? As we jump forward back to chapter 14, Caleb and now Joshua have once again written about, while everyone is openly rebelling against God, while Moses and Aaron are falling on their face before God, Caleb and Joshua speak. They attempt to persuade the Israelites with courage and with undeniable faith. This persuasion, it is important to note, starts with crying out to God on behalf of His people. It says in 14 verse 6 that Caleb and Joshua tore their clothes, a symbol of lament, and they cry out to God. After this grief, Caleb and Joshua remind the Israelites of God's provisions and promises. God promised the Israelites that the land would be good, and it wasn't. Caleb and Joshua saw the land with their own eyes. They trusted in the promise of God. They were willing to move where God was moving, and they trusted and had faith in the promises of God, no matter what. Following the reminder of God's promises, we see that Caleb and Joshua attempt to will the people to give up their rebellion. They attempt to come alongside people and show them that God was with them. The Israelites could have chosen to give up their rebellion. Caleb and Joshua stood faithful to God and chose not only to be faithful to God, but also attempted to bring others with them and lead others in faith. They chose action. They trusted God. When the world is throwing everything at you, when things are going wrong, when faced with a choice, are you going to stand with God in faith no matter what? Those are the four characters of the story. But we aren't quite done. And I'm glad we aren't, because the rest of the story is, is very powerful. As the story starts to come to a close, we see that God speaks. We see the response to God as a result of, of all of this, all of, all of what's going on. It's interesting that the glory of God is revealed right after the Israelites want to stone and murder, and murder those who are faithful to God. God's glory is revealed to Moses as it always was, as Moses was God's prophet. And I, I really want to read um, what, what God says in Numbers 14, verse 11 to 12. And the Lord says to Moses, How long will this people despise me, and how long will they not believe in me, in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with, with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. God speaks to Moses alone. He knows that the Israelites are beyond the point of listening. God speaks to Moses and is truly and rightfully angry. He asks, how long will these people reject me? 
God is blown away by the fact that the Israelites, after everything that God has done for them, still refuse to act in faith. Still refuse to follow Him. Following this question, God then in His righteousness judges the people. God is holy, God is pure, but God is also just. The result of the Israelites' sin was separation from God, disinheritance. The result of our sin is also separation from God. Yet today we have Jesus Christ and the power of the cross as reconciliation for our sins. Our sins are not lesser than that of the Israelites. We have the ability to be reconciled to God because of Jesus. The Israelites were to be rightfully judged for their sin, and God made it clear what that judgment would mean. God says that he will make a nation greater and mightier. God still wants Moses to lead his people. This was a real offer by God and a righteous and just decision. This offer, this offer is very similar to another time, not that long before this, as written about in Exodus 32, 7-14, where the Israelites once again rebel against God and complain against God, and God's righteous judgment is there. Yet Moses intercedes for the Israelites, and they are spared. We have to remember that God is fully just and will judge those who sin. Let's not beat around the bush and say that God will never judge. Sin means separation from God. Sin means judgment. But here we see that Moses stands as the intercessor for the Israelites and cries out to God, begging for grace. Moses appeals to God's glory. You can see this appeal in verses 13 to 16 of chapter 14 of Numbers. Moses immediately appeals to God and is zealous for God's glory and grace. Moses wants the name of God to be the most revered and worshipped in all the world. Moses does not want the name of God, the power of God, to be perceived as less than it is. Moses gives all glory to God and begs God to not allow the other nations, like Egypt, to have any reason to doubt God's power. Moses is in complete submission to God and intercedes on behalf of the Israelites, giving all glory to God. Moses appeals to God's power and promise. This intercession of Moses continues in verses 17 to 19. Moses revels in the power of God and the glory of God. Moses knew God's power and appealed to it. Moses knew God's glory and appealed to it. This is an incredible example of coming before God and giving Him all the glory, all the praise. We are no match for God, and when we try to rebel against God as the Israelites did, and as we do by our own inaction, by our own sin, by our own desire for control, by our own caving into to fears, God is going to win. Instead, we have the opportunity to move with God right here, right now. No matter how big or small it is, God is moving. Moses reveals his heart for Israel. He is not worried about himself. Instead, he appeals for Israel. He appeals to the glory of God on behalf of Israel. The heart of Moses on behalf of the Israelites is clear. There is a reason why there are several links in the Bible of Moses and Jesus. Moses intercedes for the Israelites. He intercedes to God on behalf of the Israelites in similar ways to how Jesus intercedes for us. The incredible end of this story is that God pardoned the Israelites. They were fully deserving of separation from God, just as we are fully deserving of separation from God when we sin. Yet, through intercession, first by Moses on behalf of the Israelites, and then by Jesus for us and all of humanity, we are saved and forgiven as long as we are willing to step out in faith, to trust God, turn from our old ways, and believe in Jesus who died on the cross. In Numbers 14, verse 20, 
God said, according to your word, Moses' prayer and intercession matters. God wants us to cry out to him. Part of moving and acting is in prayer, is in crying out to God. Numbers 14, 21 to 25, give us God's glory on full display for everyone to see. God is glorified. Yet, consequences are still there for those who had no desire to be in relationship or have faith in God. The Israelites that rebelled were not able to move forward into the promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua were oppressed with children, which allowed Israel and therefore God's glory to be revealed and God's glory to continue through the Israelites. Caleb's faith is richly rewarded by God. Despite the pressures around him, Caleb and also Joshua are praised by God. This is incredible and allows us to trust in God and know that if we honor him, have faith, and move forward with God, we will be better off for it. It's not going to be easy, yet moving forward with God, where God is moving in faith, we will have the opportunity to live in the glorious promise of an incredible God. The consequences for the lack of faith by the Israelites is that God turns the Israelites back and ensures that all of Israel wanders in the desert for longer. Later we read that the longer meant 40 more years. It is important to note that this wandering did not mean that God left the Israelites. God was still with the Israelites during this time. He still provided food and opportunity. He still allowed them to survive. The Israelites, however, were not able to enter into God's promised land because they rebelled. They had the opportunity to do great things with God by their side, yet did not and stayed stuck in their old habits. Stuck in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. The ten spies who despised God and let others astray immediately died. Only Caleb and Joshua were able to experience God's true promise because of their faith. This is a great reminder and challenge to us to trust in God, to join Him in wherever He is moving, no matter the cost. When we do, we can be excited to be a part of God's incredible promises. The promise for us is different than that of the promised land, yet it still symbolizes that that when we stand in faith, God will do His work through us, and we can rest in His glory. At the same time, it is a challenge because God is going to judge those who rebel against Him. We cannot belittle the justice of God, yet through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to be saved and reconciled to God no matter what we have done. This is an incredible promise and one that we cannot take lightly or, or ignore. We have the opportunity to not only be reconciled to God and live with God and have God with us through the Holy Spirit, but we also have the ability to join God in where He has moved. Are you ready? The Israelites responded to this, as we conclude, by then thinking they could take the promised land. They moved forward without God, and they were destroyed. God's glory shines throughout this story, and His justice, which is hard to hear sometimes, is also present. The Israelites first argued against God and refused to move, resulting in 40 more years of wandering. After hearing this, some of the Israelites kind of snap out of it and attempt to move, but this time without God. It says, they moved without the Ark of the Covenant, without God going before them, and Moses stayed back. So Moses didn't lead them. They wanted control, and as soon as they found out they did not have that, they tried to move without God and were destroyed. As we conclude, let's think back at the varying responses that, that can be taken when it is clear that God is moving, which He does constantly. Our, our first response could be like the spies. The spies who went out and saw the promises of God, saw where God wanted to take them, yet were terrified and fearful. They lacked faith and then took other people down the same path with them. 
They focused on the negative. They exaggerated and led people away from God into rebellion because of their own lack of faith. Another response could be like the Israelites themselves. When faced with a direction, when faced with a report that they themselves asked for, they wept and rebelled against God and the only people that remained faithful. They listened to the spies, caved to fear, blamed God and others, and actively stood in opposition to God's promises. A third response could simply be crying out in prayer as Moses and Aaron did. They realized that they were not in control of the situation. They allowed the crowd to take over their leadership. Their response was to turn to God, which is an honest action and one that shows the faith of Moses and Aaron despite their weaknesses. Caleb and Joshua present for us what it means to step forward in complete faithfulness, trusting in God's promises. They stand up to the people in opposition to God. They want to move forward with God no matter the risk. They completely trust God and do so with boldness and confidence. In turn, they become the only two that receive the privilege of entering into the promised land alongside the children. Finally, Moses intercedes on behalf of the Israelites to God. God, through his grace, which the Israelites did not deserve, are saved from complete separation from God. We have the privilege of already being interceded for by Jesus, in a similar way that Moses did for the Israelites. This intercession gives us, through God's grace, a bridge to God himself, the ability to move alongside God in his direction. We have the ability to simply trust in God, have faith in wherever and whenever he leads. Sometimes where God is leading is small and simply means continuing down the same path, or saying one thing to somebody. Other times it's as big as moving across the world, or quitting your job, or taking leadership of something, or standing up to somebody. Whatever it is, God is moving. God is constantly moving. God wants us to move with Him and to join Him in His promises. Are you ready to move forward with God? Let's pray. Father God, You are so good. And Lord, this is a, it's a long story and one that uh, is filled with multiple people in multiple different situations. But through it all, Lord, Your promise reigns supreme. And the Israelites, Caleb and Joshua and their children, were still able to take the promise your promise still came true. Lord, tonight, um, as we think about the promises that you give us, as we think about where you are moving, Lord, I pray that we can move forward with you, that no matter the challenges that we face, no matter um, where you are taking us, Lord, no matter the giants that stand in our way, that we can trust you and turn to you. Thank you also for Jesus who intercedes for us and gives us the opportunity to be reconciled to you and have you by us.